listening to First Church Charlotte. So today we're continuing our series on the life and the ministry of Elijah. And we started last week and titled the series, Elijah, Doubt, Drought, and the Presence of God. And today, as continuation of the series, but also as a celebration of others, we are focusing our attention on the story of the widow of Zarephath. And I think there is in this story uh, some spiritual insight, spiritual principles. There's also uh, hope, not just for mothers, but for all of us, at just how powerful the work of God is in our life. And when you read this story, it really helps you to understand the role of grace and the heart of God. So we're going to get right into that. I do want to say that we did a, a, a test to see who was qualified to preach today. We looked for the person with the best mom, and I won. And so that's why I'm, I'm preaching here today. I have the best mother. And um, I'm, I'm sorry to all the other moms. You were, you were right there. It was like 9.9999999. And then I had one more nine. And so that's how I got, got this job. We honor our mothers. We celebrate a mother's love. Uh, so let's get into the scripture. Are you ready for the word of the Lord here today? All right. So uh, talking about Elijah, we last week began this story of this prophet, this man of God. Uh, who rose to national prominence the moment uh, he walked into the throne room of King Ahab and he said this, it's not going to rain until I say so. One of the things we talked about last week uh, that I've actually spent nearly two weeks now thinking about uh, is just this idea of in this era, in this time, in this day of Israel, uh, the institution of the school of the prophets was probably at its heyday. There was a lot of prophets in Israel at this time. Uh, but they, they, in spite of their ability to pursue the presence of God, in spite of their ability to be spiritual people, which is a good thing, uh, in spite of the manner in which they practiced prophesying over one another, uh, they were unable to see the need of the nation. So they had, they had spirituality, but they did not have mission. Uh, it is Elijah who really leaps to the front of the story when he sees the struggle is not in who can prophesy best. The struggle is for the heart of the people. The struggle is for revival in the generation. I want all of us to make it a part of our regular prayer that God would send revival to this generation. Most of you, uh, I would say the vast majority of you represent salvation. You represent God's mercy. You represent God's goodness in your life. Uh, that's not to say we're all where we're supposed to be. I'm not going to go that far. I could look at two or three people right now that aren't where they're supposed to be. But anyway, enough about this front row of beautiful girls here. I'm just kidding. I love you guys. So um, I, that's not the point. The point is, is we represent God's mercy in our life. We, we represent salvation. But the issue is not simply whether... Uh, we are, you know, doing as good as we can do. The issue is the battle that is happening for a generation. And Elijah does not just show that he can prophesy. He shows that he understands the big picture. He shows that he understands the need of the hour. So let me just do this right now. Lord Jesus, we need revival in our generation. Lord Jesus, we live in an era where a lot of people have lost their faith. But God, we are praying for apostolic revival in our generation. We're praying for an awakening and an awareness 
awareness in our people's heart that they're not going to find meaning in their life outside of you. They're not going to find spiritual wholeness for their heart outside of you. So if you would so bless us, grant us with Holy Spirit revival, and can the church say amen. Elijah sees the need of the hour. He's not just a spiritual specialist. He's not just kind of an esoteric spiritual wise man. He sees the need of the hour. I pray that wherever you are in your life, wherever you end up, that you will see the need from God's point of view. Not simply obsessed with your need, but see the mission that God will join you to and make you a a co-partner, and thus the mission of God becomes the commission of the man or woman of God. That happens wherever wherever you are. Life moves us around. Uh, we have some kids back from college. Uh, this is Josh's last Sunday. He's on his way to Chattanooga, right? Is that right? Some place of the devil like that in the wrong direction. His job has him there for a, a year or so. Uh, last week, or maybe a week before last, Miracle went away to her basic training in the mil- military. God moves us around. That is that is the order of life. But I want you to pray that wherever you find yourself, you can feel and sense and see the mission. And so Elijah, he he has a he has this this moment uh, speaking truth to power, and then he really has to run for his life because uh, Elijah has um, a queen and uh, King Ahab has a wife uh, who is a very very uh, mean lady. Uh, you know, one of the basic rules for young preachers is don't preach on Jezebel on Mother's Day. It's really as simple as that. I don't know how I've broken this today, but here Jezebel is trying to kill the preacher. Beware the woman who wants to kill the preacher. That's some powerful preaching right there. That's all I have to say about that. Uh, Jezebel's trying to find Elijah. And you see, we talked about this last week. I'm just catching everyone up to the same page. Elijah uh, has to flee for his life. He goes to the brook Cherith. Um, I said Kindrod last week, but they get mixed up when you're preaching without notes. I have notes, but I don't look at them because I'm ethical like that. Uh, (laughs) At the brook brook, uh, Cherith, and uh, there the Lord feeds him with ravens, which is very much out of his comfort zone. He can't, he's not supposed to, according to the law, eat something that's touched the unclean thing. Uh, but the Lord, it's amazing how the Lord often will place you in a circumstance that's out of your comfort zone and then give you an opportunity to see the bigger picture. It's really amazing how common that th- that theme is. Really, from the beginning to the end of the scripture, you'll see this theme that a lot of spiritual opportunity will be in an arena that you quite, you just aren't comfortable with. I could take you in a Bible study through story after story after story, where if you want to reject something because it's just a little bit kind of edgy, uh, then you can do so. But out of that stretching, out of that uh, push out of our comfort zone, uh, really revival happens a lot of uh, of the time. And so here you see him at this moment of his um, care. The Lord is taking care of him. And then the ravens quit coming and the brook dries up. The lesson being, you have to trust in the God of the blessing, not the blessing that God gives you. You have to trust in the God of your provisions. You can't trust in the provisions that God has given you. You may lose your job, but God's still on your side. 
man, that's some good preaching. You ought to do more of that. Well, thank you very much. I will. You may run out of money, but I want you to know, if you run out of money, the God who has taken care of you this far will continue to take care of you. Don't trust God's blessing over God. God is the author, the giver. He is the father of lights. Every good and perfect. Oh, praise God, somebody. Every good and perfect gift. And so, and so he, uh, he, he follows the word of the Lord. He goes to the homeland of Jezebel. Yes, I, I know that's a surprise. I didn't know that was in the story either. Jezebel, the same woman who's trying to kill him. Remember, beware of the woman trying to kill the preacher. And uh, he is made safe in her hometown. It's interesting how the Lord will hide you in the presence of your enemies. Don't have time to preach about that, but if you'd like to write that down, brother, that's some good preaching right there. So I want you to see now he is with uh, a strange he's in a strange place. He, he's at uh, this homeland. Uh, Zarephath is in Sidon. Jezebel's from Sidon. And here he is, and the Lord has told him, uh, the, he's commanded a widow there to take care of him. Uh, he goes to her, and uh, she has just a little bit of uh, cake making materials left. He says, make me a little cake. Now, um, I in the past have made the mistake of preaching it as though Elijah asked for everything. That's, that's not what Elijah did, and that's not what the Lord did. Elijah said, first, make me a small cake. This is an example of how everything in our life is, is made holy through first fruits. It's like you give first to the Lord as an acknowledgement that it's all his and it all comes from him and he takes care of all your needs. And so she makes this little cake and then what happens? The miraculous... She never runs out of meal. She never want, runs out of oil. For three and a half years, she is taken care of. And now if you'd like to sing, he's an on-time God. Yes, he is. This would be a good time to sing that song. Now, something is happening in the spirit realm that is not just a narrative. This is not just a story, and I want you guys to see that. This is not just, you know, kind of a, uh, a mythic type story of days gone by. There are spiritual principles in every detail of this. So much so that in the life of Jesus Christ, he is going to retell this story. And the passage I'll direct you to is in Luke chapter number four, where Jesus is being rejected in his hometown. He's being rejected by the people who know him best. Isn't that amazing? And he says, look, a prophet is not without honor, Unless he goes home and then, you know, struggles to have honor in his home country. Because people cannot let his role be changed. From being the son of Mary to being uh, the word and the voice of God. And so we know from this story and other uh, passages that Jesus doesn't do many miracles there. Other than some uh, acts of healing. But he says this to them. Look, uh, you're missing. You're missing something here. I, I want you to remember, and I'm paraphrasing in the NJE version. Uh, he says, I want you to remember the widow of Zarephath. I want you to remember that Israel, remember he's telling the story of Elijah. Israel was full of widows. <coughs> Excuse me. But the prophet was not sent to them. The prophet was sent to a widow in Zarephath. She wasn't even of the house of Israel. And it is as if God is saying, look, the rejection you are giving me right now is exactly why you will not see the miracle. And it is exactly why God goes to the outsider. Because the insider assumes they need nothing. 
This is the lesson. There's no shortage of widows going hungry in Israel, but God sends the prophet to a widow who will hear the word of the Lord, obey the word of the Lord, and thus she receives in her home the provision, the provision of God. Now, now stay with me. I want to real quickly just address this issue of, of insider versus outsider. Um, you know, so if you, if you grew up kind of like the coolest kid in your class, you don't really know what it feels like to be an outsider. Um, if you, if you grew up a little bit kind of like a, you were a little nerdy like me, um, then you, you felt a little bit more what it feels like to be an outsider. Uh, let me give you an example. Like growing up, I wasn't very good at sports. Um, I, I wasn't very interested in sports. I had strange hobbies and I read way too much. And, uh, by the time I got to Bible school, I was known pretty much as an incorrigible nerd. And one of the jokes that they used to say to me if I popped off, because y'all know I have a mouth, Lord help me. I would pop off, they'd say, shut up, Nathan, go read a book. And so one day I was talking, it's fine, I turned out okay. Um, <laughs> they're the sucker, anyway, moving along. Um, <laughs> just having fun, take a deep breath. So um, I, I, I remember talking to an older uh, preacher one time, and I, ta- I said this, and it kind of a phrase that I came back to later on in my, my attempts to be funny. I told him, I said, you know, I, I've spent most of my life feeling like an opera singer at a country western concert. In other words, y'all are in the corner singing, a tear in my beer, because I'm crying. Ooh, that's beautiful. Crying for you, and I'm over here saying, Paul. If you've ever felt out of step, or you ever felt a little bit nerdy, some of you guys should feel nerdy because you're nerds, but you haven't realized you're nerds. Anyway, (laughs) if you've ever felt a little bit out of step, uh, you can feel like the insider-outsider. Let me tell you a truth about human nature that may help you guys accept people who are not like you. When people spend enough time feeling like an outsider, they will begin to change their looks, their, their armor, to let you know beforehand that they're different. And if you don't like them, you don't even have to make eye contact. And they will wear their difference. Now, it may or may not be good. It may or may not be sin. It may or may not be whatever they're doing. That's not my point. My point is they get tired of apologizing for not being like you. And so rather than looking at, let me preach to the church here for a moment because I'm in the mood. And y'all came anyway, right? Let me preach. Rather than looking with contempt at people who have rejected the status quo, try to look in your heart and find some love for them. Find some empathy for them. You don't know what they've been through. Speak God's love to them. Oh, that's some fine preaching. Speak God's blessing to them. Don't let them see contempt in the micro expressions of your face. They're wearing that like armor. It is armor for them to say, look, if you don't like me and you can't accept me, don't even make eye contact. We'll just move along. I want to show people the love of God is not just for insiders. The love of God is for outsiders. The love of God is not just for the widows in the house of Israel. The love of God is for widows in Sidon. The widow of Zarephath. The word of God will come to them. And so here we have this mother, and things are going really well, and she, she finds her son one day, and her son is uh, lying on the ground, and he stopped breathing. Uh, pretty much the ultimate fear uh, that any mother 
any parent, I could say more broadly, but we'll particularly uh, say this without any uh, looks askance. (laughs) The greatest fear of any mother is to lose a child. That means a mother would rather fall from a very great height than lose a child. A mother would rather fight off a company of snakes than lose a child. They would rather be eaten by an alligator than lose a child. It is, (laughs) wow, that's horrible images. What's wrong with me today? I want you to see a mother would rather anything than to lose a child. Um, interestingly, the, the Bible honors the love of mothers and uses it as a teaching example, but not near as much as it does uh, il- illustrations of romantic love. Now, this is astonishing. I'm actually uh, working on a book right now for, uh, on the Song of Solomon, and uh, I, I, in my study, I've been astonished how much God uses romantic love as a teaching of spiritual things. Why is that? Because romantic love, as God ordained it, is passion and covenant. It's not just passion, and it's not just covenant. It is passion and covenant. That is that is the teaching that we learn from a romantic love that flows over. It makes you read the book of the Song of, Song of Solomon very differently. It flows over into spiritual truth. God is passionate about you. He wants you to be passionate about him, but he's also committed to you, and he wants you to be committed to him. Even in the scripture, a mother's love is not presented in the manner of you should learn from this uh, because if you haven't been a mother, chances are you, like me, just don't understand. I know what a father's love is. I'm supposed to provide food and beat my children. I'm good at both of those things. kind of a mother you had. Um, I want to say this. My mother, as the most lovely, beautiful, most Christian, her royal highness, uh, she she was an amazing mother, but she is a much sweeter grandmother than she was mother. <laughs> My mother is a shadow of her former self. She used to, she used to be a force of nature. <laughs> She was a force of nature, and um, I, some of you guys knew her, and she, I tell you a story. Um, she would be playing the organ at church, and she'd have me sit, the organ was on this side of the church, and she'd have me sitting right there, and she'd be playing that organ, and more, she, she would be, she would be wearing that organ, man. She, she'd tear that thing up, and right in the middle, she's like, God's good. You best not be acting out. And God's going to save you. And God, you best not be acting the fool. God is going to, all in him. Wow, wow. Don't make me come off this. If I come off this organ, honey, I brought you into this church. I will take you out. It's actually worse than that. You know, most parents, they take their kids out like they're going to kill them. And they get them outside and they bribe them. If you'll just be good, we'll get a smoothie after church. It'll be awesome. Because, okay, can I have a piece of chocolate? Here, have a piece of chocolate. My mother took us out like she was giving us a piece of chocolate. And then she killed us. She literally killed us in the bathroom. But she was powerful. And after she killed us, she spoke the name of Jesus over us. Mighty God, mighty God. And she said, roll away the stone. And us children came out of that bathroom. (laughs) True story. Junior high school, I got in a fight. Um, I didn't fight a lot, but I fought enough. So anyway. How many of you have ever gotten bad advice from your older brother? (laughs) 
yeah, yeah, you and me, brother, you and me. So there's this bully at school. You know, not all bullies are cowards. Some bullies just, they got beat up all their life. It's all they know how to do to express themselves. And so we had this kid in the class, and he was a tough kid, poor guy. I don't even know if he's alive today. He might be in prison. He had a tough life. Anyway, he was a good, he was a good fighter. Uh, my brother's like, if a bully bullies you, you just, not, you just punch him in the mouth. I was like, word. <laughs> so I prayed back and I punched that dude in the mouth and he proceeded to whoop me in front of the whole class. He put a beating on me. I've never been so humiliated in my life. I've been beat up worse since, <laughs> a.k.a. marriage. Uh, but um, I, have, I have never... <clears throat> You and me, brother. You and me. That's right. I know your wife. She's mean as a snake. You're right. Um, so I, I have never been more humiliated. I mean, I was whooped good. I hit him like three times. He hit me like 30 times. It was ugly, man. No self-esteem. We're sitting outside the principal's office, and I'm just, I'm already humiliated. I mean, this, a boy would rather be eaten by alligators than publicly. I mean, that's just how that works. Anyway, so um, the other, the, the, the principal, was a, he was a burly guy, and he had made it. This is back when we got paddlings, you kids nowadays. You don't even know. Anyway, he had you had the shop class make him a paddle out of plexiglass. They drilled holes in it to reduce wind resistance. And it made a whistle as it came through the air. And the whistle was like, you're going to die. And he wrapped duct tape all around the grip of it. And uh, he took the other kid and first, thank God forever. And uh, he had the other kid put his hands on the desk. The kids from the handle of this. And he reared back. And you heard that whistle that said, you're going to die. And then the explosion as the paddle hit the, you know, seat of learning. And um, it was like, boom. And that kid, he levitated. And he started screaming, I'm going to tell my mama. I'm going to tell my mama. <laughs> so I'm, all I had left to do was try to show no pain, you know. And so uh, I went in there and put my hands on the table. And he reared back, hit me as hard as he can. And I just sat there and wept and didn't make a sound. People's like, why didn't you make a sound? I said, on the Inscott side, I'm screaming, please don't tell my mama. Please don't tell my mama. What do you mean I'm going to tell my mama? My mama will disown me. She'll beat me with a coat hanger. Anybody ever beat with a coat hanger? You know why you were beat with a coat hanger? It was the closest thing she could get her hands on. Teach you to talk. Anyway, moving along. Mama, I love you. You're beautiful, gorgeous. Filled with love. I mean, you're awesome. So, I've been off my notes so long my iPad went off. This woman, okay, back, back on track. This woman, she comes home one day and everything she's living for is gone. Her son is laying on the ground. He's not breathing. She doesn't ask for a miracle. She doesn't have this sense that God will resurrect my child. She has this sense of hopelessness. And when the preacher gets back, Elijah comes back, she says, is this what my life has come to? Is this why you came into my life? In spite of all the blessing, in spite of all the, is this what it's about? You came into my life? Is this why? Also, notice this. Is this my fault? Mothers, more than any other group of society, 
uh, will obsess and worry over what they've done wrong more than anybody else I have ever met. I have very few times had a counseling session with a father that went like, I just, I'm afraid it's my fault. Very rare. (laughs) Chances were it was our fault, but (laughs) mothers almost every single time. I wish I could have done better. So let me give you some real quick truth, mothers. Um, All that you can ever do is your best. Can I have an amen from all the children of mothers? All you can ever do is your best. That best may change in different seasons of your life. You may, more have, you may have more patience in your 50s than you did your 20s. But all you could ever do in your 20s is your best. And so you cannot allow your joy to be destroyed over the fact that if you could do it over again, you could do it better. Of course you could do it better if you could do it over again. But here this woman is expressing the reality of so many mothers. Is this my fault? Now this is for everybody today, but I want this especially to touch our mothers here today. Is this my fault? Elijah shows wisdom. He will not, he will not answer that question. All he does is for the second time of his ministry is break the law in order to do, in order to manifest the heart of God. All he does this for the second time. This time he picks up a dead body that is prohibited in the scripture. He cannot pick up a dead body. He cannot touch the dead body. But what does he do? I want to show you something that happens when some, when you walk close to God. You begin to feel the heart of God, and you will see in the actions of Elijah someone who is in t- in, in tune with God's heart. He picks the dead boy up, and he carries him up to the little room that has been prepared for him, and he lays the boy down and he asks God the same kind of searching questions that the mother had asked. What's going on here? Remember, Elijah does not see as clearly as we see because we have seen God manifest through Jesus Christ. What he had was the presence of God as he experienced it prophetically. And he had the law that had been given to him through the patriarchs. He had the covenant of faith through Abraham, Isaac, Jacob. He had the law through Moses. He had the history of the judges, the kings, and the priests. Some of that, not not a lot of that. But I want you to see, he picks up this boy. He takes him up there. He asks questions. Uh, The Bible will deal with this issue of blame, Uh, particularly Uh, religious people try to trap Jesus in this issue about who did what, who caused what. Um, When people start doing this, it's not from mercy. It's much more from a sense of of, 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 of religious vanity. Who is worthy? Uh, who isn't worthy? Um, if you go to a church where there's a lot of who's worthy and who's not, um, uh, you won't see You won't see near as many miraculous things happen in the testimonies of the people as if you go to a church where they're saying, Lord, you do, (coughs) excuse me, (coughs) you do what you want to do and we'll be honored to be included. Let the spirit blow. I've seen some of the greatest miracles happen to people that did not even seem to be of the house of Israel. They were a widow from Zarephath. God loves to do great works. As 
testimony of his goodness. And the prophet lays the dead body down. He has touched the body. And now he's going to do something very strange. And this is why I say he shows us the heart of God. What does he do? He asks the same question. Lord, is this for sin? Why did the boy die? All of this kind of true confession that we should all not be afraid of confession in our life. And then he lays across the boy and covers the boy with his body. It is almost as though he perceives the heart of God. And what judgment really needs is a covering. Oh, y'all didn't hear what I just said. What judgment really needs. This is why I say he's in tune with the heart of God. It's as though he doesn't know what caused what. But he's saying, Lord, don't hold something to this son. If it's possible, let me be the one to carry. Let me be the one to cover. Oh, this is the gospel in a single image. We who were dead in trespasses and sins. We who deserved spiritual death. Did you hear what I said? We who deserved spiritual death have been brought to life through Jesus Christ covering our sins, washing away our sins, bringing us into spiritual newness of life. Every mother wonders just how much she can protect her children. And here's the sad reality. You can only protect them so much. But on the other side of what you can do, grace and mercy is going to cover. Moms, are you hearing me? You can only teach your children so much. And if you had to do over again, maybe you'd do better. Maybe my mom would beat me more. I don't know. That's what she says most of the times when I tease her about it. (laughs) Maybe you'd do it different. But on the other side of what you can't do is the mercy of God covering you. And not just you. The grace of God covering your children. Can you see this image? Do your best. This isn't just for mothers. This is all for all of us. Do your best. But when you have it, ability to do what is needed, when you cannot accomplish the mission you've been given, know this, on the other side of your limitation, the grace of God covers everything. And in this moment, oh hallelujah, oh praise God somebody, praise God somebody, musicians you can come. On the other side of this limitation, there is grace, mercy, and peace covering us. This is the picture of what happens to us through the ministry of Jesus Christ. I want you all to have as much blessing as you can as you can have. I want you to have as much provision as you can have. I want you to have as much spiritual confidence as you can have. I want you to be as strong as you can be. Some of you are at various seasons of your life and uh, you might look back and say, I was stronger then or I hope to be stronger tomorrow. I'm not strong today. Uh, It doesn't matter what you wish or that. What matters is right now, on the other side of your limits, there is mercy and there is grace that can cover your heart and cover your life. You say, how do I live that way? I want you all to see that choosing to see the mercy of God in your life is just as much an act of faith as choosing to believe that Christ rose from the dead. This is why people, they will choose to believe that God rose from the dead, but then they'll wonder, was I really forgiven? 
is it really going to be okay? Do I really have a better future to come? So let me say it again. You believing the promises of God and you believing in mercy and the covering of grace in your life is just as much an act of faith in your life, your daily experience, as it was when you first believed that Christ rose from the dead. It's just a different step of your journey. So I'll say it like this. Because Christ rose from the dead and became your spiritual covering, you have the invitation to live every day choosing to believe this reality. I'm going to do my best. And everything on the other side, God's going to extend mercy and grace for. You mothers, us fathers, we're going to do our best. And everything on the other side of our best, the grace of God is going to cover. And this image of the heart of God manifests through the prophet who carries death into a prayer closet and says, God, will you not heal? Will you not save? And he covers. This is the picture of grace in our life. I'm so glad I'm a grace preacher. I'm so glad I, I'm so glad to share the good news. I'm so glad to speak God's love into your life. Let's all stand all across the house. I want to pray over you and then we're going to have a, a time of prayer together. First of all, let me say to all of our guests with us today, we're honored to have you join us. We hope you feel at home. More importantly, we hope you feel a sense of God right now. We hope you have a sense of the Lord uh, stirring you and even even drawing you. That's a good thing. I, I've been serving God most of my life, and I still feel the presence of the Lord drawing drawing me closer. Every head bowed, every eye closed. I, I want to do this today. I, I felt this early this morning in prayer. I want to challenge all of you who feel the touch of God in your life right now. And you feel God inclining you back toward a closer walk. I want to pray for you. Would you slip your hand up wherever you are in the house? You feel the drawing power of God in your life and you want to you want to incline your way closer. God bless all of these who have raised their hand. Now church, all of you join with me in prayer right now. Lord God, we stand in this place and we acknowledge your ability to change everything in the heart of a believer. Lord, I pray for each one of these who have acknowledged their need to walk closer to you. They've acknowledged their need to turn their affections back toward the work of the cross. Lord Jesus, will you draw us today? Will you lead each of us today to a, a place of, of greater spiritual understanding? a place of greater spiritual insight, a way of walking where we are more than just survivors, but we are overcomers. We're more than just conquerors. We're, we're more than conquerors. Lord Jesus, would you lead us by your power? In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Everyone who will, will you step out of the church? I feel the presence of the Lord here today. I want to make an appeal to all of you. And that is simply this. As you feel the invitation of God in your life, and that's, I'm not primarily referring about to salvation. Salvation is a gift of God. I want to show you that in Scripture. If you have any questions, I want to show you how that is manifest in our life. All that's good. But I'm not just talking about a, a moment of salvation. I'm talking about a turning of your heart away from the things in this life that you are looking to for meaning and happiness. 
and turning your focus back to the presence of God as the only source of meaning and happiness in your life. That's my appeal to you. And that's If you raised your hand, and there was a lot of you who did, if you raised your hand, I want to I want to encourage you to connect with our pastoral team. We're we're always down here in the altar. Why? Why am I appealing to you to do that? Uh, think how differently this story would have been in the life of the widow of Zarephath if she would have if she would not have had the voice of God in her life. It would have just been another sad story. And if there's one thing Jesus makes clear, even talking in Luke chapter before, the world's full of sad stories. That's not enough. Life is short, full of trouble. We need more than a sad story. We need the Word of God in our lives. And when you humble yourself, when you make a connection to a, a spiritual mentor, a pastor, a leader, what you're doing is you're saying, look, I need that voice that God can use in my life to meet me at the point of my need. The issue is not where we ought to be. Very few of us are where we ought to be, if you want to get right down to it. It's where we are. That's what matters today. So make that connection. Let this pastoral team serve you. Let this pastoral team serve you. Let us, let, let strong people in this church, let mentors in your life, let them serve you. Humble yourself, open your heart and say, look, I need to let my affections be set on things above and let the word of God speak into your life. Can I have a big amen? Lord Jesus, bless these people. Walk with them, I pray. Protect them from the devourer. I pray your blessing upon all of our mothers, especially today. Let them have the peace of God that passeth all understanding. In spite of perhaps their own critical review of their self, let them hear that message of peace. That message of peace. Like uh, Paul said in the second chapter of Ephesians, you, you came to us and you preached peace to us. Lord, let them receive your peace today in Jesus' name. And let the church say amen. Now put your hands together and give God a shout of praise. Hallelujah. Thank you for listening to First Church Charlotte. If you're in the Charlotte, North Carolina area, worship with us at 4929 North Sharon Amity Road. For information about service times, church ministries, and so much more, visit us online at firstchurchclt.com. If you would like to support our efforts, text GIVE to 704-445-5353. We pray God's richest blessings to you. Come worship with us.